Hey again, Anchor. Uh, so today we're going to talk just a little bit about um, Alzheimer's disease, which is a leading disease in the United States of America with uh, the senior citizen population. Um, it's a pretty big one. You hear about it a lot. And, um, they have a lot of research online. You can go on um, the Alzheimer's Association uh, they have offices in different regions of the United States of America, and they're very helpful. I've sat in uh, some, I went in a music um, therapy class once there. It was really nice to let me sit in it with a group. I used to work with the leader of the group for Alzheimer's disease in New York City. And uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit, about um, group theory, socialization. It's a, a certain group theory, socialization. Um, and a play that I picked to produce in Washington, D.C. called The Waverly Gallery. It's by Kenneth Lonergan, who's also, uh, he doesn't just write for theater, he also writes for Hollywood. Uh, he did uh, one famous movie he wrote, it's, it's a comedy with Jack Nicholson called Analyze This. Hmm. And I had a friend in a movie of his uh, from growing up, uh, she was in his movie, uh, You Can Always Count On Me. I think she plays a drug addict in the movie. Her name is Gabby. She's a mutual friend of some other friend of mine. And I remember her uh, from growing up a little bit. And so I, I co-directed this play, The Waverly Gallery in D.C. It's a small production, but it got pretty decent reviews in numerous major world uh, newspapers. And it's about Alzheimer's disease and the art world in New York City. Uh, and kind of modern day. It's supposed to be like a decade or two ago. Uh, and uh, they're a Jewish family. Uh-huh. And uh, so just yesterday, actually, I went to, uh, <clears throat> I went to this group uh, neighborhood house, it's called. And they do work with children and with the elderly. And they had an award ceremony for the community. And I sat in on it because I used to volunteer with them with this Alzheimer's group. And uh, there was a group of elderly people. They did a little hula dance performance, and it was absolutely adorable. They had, like, a rainbow color wardrobe. All of them were wearing different colors, very bright, and danced to a beautiful Hawaiian song. And they did a really nice job uh, with the movement, and I really liked it. And it was all older ladies, you know, people that say 70-plus, I'll say, maybe. Maybe 60-plus, 70-plus, up to maybe even 90 or something like that. And they all did a really nice job. Hmm. I don't think they were with the Alzheimer's group because they also have groups of older that are also non. Uh, but with the Alzheimer's group, when I worked with them, a lot of it was, uh, it's a daytime program uh, with socialization. It's the primary focus. Uh, and Alzheimer's disease does not come up in the DSM at all. Dementia comes up in the DSM if you're looking at uh, scientific codifications in mental health diagnostics. Uh, but Alzheimer's is, uh, it is uh, quantified sometimes as a, a disorder that gets grouped in with dementia, types of dementia. So Alzheimer's itself, a lot of the times, um, they look at it more as a memory disorder. Um, and a lot of it has to do with neurology and blockage of certain parts of the brain receivers and then the decline of a, a generally an older person 
they start forgetting certain things about their identity, sometimes where they're supposed to be or what they're supposed to be doing. So a lot with identification. Uh -huh. A lot with the self and identification, they start forgetting what's going on and there's a certain block in their neurological functioning is why they think, uh, as far as the brain goes, why this this is happening. And they, they, they sit in on this group, in this particular one, and uh, in group theory, they believe that socialization is um, is used to keep um, people functioning on a certain societal spectrum uh, with each other. So they're still interacting with each other and uh, playing by certain rules. They're still polite to each other. They still can do activities together. They still, if uh, their awareness is, is still on a certain level, which most of them, they were still, they're different ends of the spectrum of Alzheimer's. They, they could participate on different varying levels um, in, let's say, a play rating group where they take turns like doing um, a line. They each develop a line and go in a circle or whether they're painting art together or whether they're dancing together or singing together. It's all creative activities. They're not, you know, being violent or acting out. They're still sort of, you know, in the masculine, if they're of the male, this is still ingrained in them, and in the female, if they're of the female, these roles are still ingrained in them, and they're still socializing all day long with each other. So it's not like when they're just at home with their caretaker. Sometimes a person who's suffering from Alzheimer's, they might have a nice caretaker, but if it's just one person, they might just feed and clean them and leave them to the television set or something like that, right? So this is different. This is still putting them back in a classroom-like setting of a child, and they're doing creative activities all day long together. So they keep their mind in a certain way. It's like a, it's sort of a, I think it's very feminine. When kids are little, you know, a lot of their teachers are women. Sometimes they're men, but a lot of them are women. And they keep them in certain socialization heads uh, to keep them thinking in certain patterns and their energy still pinging off each other in certain patterns rather than, you know, a child that's homeschooled, uh, they just do an activity book with themselves, you know, and then the, the parent might grade them or the teacher might grade them at home. So they don't have any of that socialization, which in America they think is uh, huge for making people successful uh, in society, but also just maintaining sort of a healthy balance of not just being um, sort of a hermit, you know. They want them to be still socializing because it generates a certain energy and certain thinking caps, uh, even if they are losing a lot of them with a memory and, you know, identity. And they do cultural exchanges. Sometimes they'll reminisce if they can remember bits of a story. You know, one might be from Eastern Europe. One person in the group might be uh, a family from Latin America. They might tell each other a story about something with food or something about their family or a tradition or one might be Jewish. And sometimes these stories too come up. And they're still trying to say it was special to have these things about their identity and to try and get them to remember them uh, because that's what's special about America, that there are so many people with so many different kinds of identities and cultural identities, um, and they're always sharing and creating together. That's what America is. But to take that away, 
is to maybe be, you know, either the hermit or the contemplative if you're if you're kind of lucky, if you can be and you're still healthy. Or to take that away is possibly to be like World War II again. We go back to that. It's to be your identity has been stolen. They're diseasing you. You don't have a home. So these people still have a home. They're forgetting what their identity is. Right? But they're trying to make them still remember it and preserve it as long as they're still sort of able to articulate it a little bit. And they're sharing food together and all these creative activities. Uh, so it mirrors the childlike education. They do this before and after a lot in America. The, the working years, depending on what the condition is of the elderly person and what kind of setting. If there's somebody that retires with a family and, you know, they still are really with it in their minds, they might still be socially active and go and choose their own activities and go and do all kinds of things and go and volunteer here and there. And they might even help lead a group like this, right? So that's a different kind of functioning because their brain isn't blacked but somebody whose brain is blacked they might go back to this because that's their tradition in america and it's saying there was a feminine presence that does uh, encourage this socialization and this these creative types of activities and thinks that it protects them in a certain way and it keeps them in our identity even if they're they're starting to lose it a, bit, a little bit so I think that's a lot why with creative activities. A lot of it has to do with identity uh, and trying to preserve it and not negate somebody. And anything is acceptable, whether you paint like a little kid or like a great master or whether you sing a song beautifully or like a little kid. Um, or if you do a hula, you know, lots of little kids would be adorable doing the hula too if they follow the directions and try and get the movements in. But it's okay if it's a little imperfect and unsynchronized. We're not doing a professional dance concert here at Lincoln Center. You know, it's a really cute neighborhood house. And so it's lovely to see these older women coming together to do the traditional hula. You know, and it's saying a lot of different things. And, you know, people can look at it and say that's so much fun and that's it. And it felt good to see them. Or they could think a lot of different things about what the hula is, you know, and what the colors are and what the Hawaiian traditions are. So it gives them a lot to think on, and that's really nice. Uh, So a lot with, I think, identity, if we don't want to be losing people whose brains are blocked, right, but they're still sort of in the reality, they still are coming through, we still can talk to them, they still have an essence of themselves, they're still sometimes reactive and understand what you're saying, even if they blank out sometimes and come back sometimes. We don't want them to lose their identity before they die. We want them to keep their houses. We want them to try and keep their cultural identities and remember what was special about um, about living the life they lived. Not that they were not special. Not that they're forgotten about. Not that somebody hated them and wanted to hurt them and steal them. To try and keep them in there if they're coming through, if their consciousness is coming through, these creative groups are really great. Um, so I think creativity with people with uh, Alzheimer's and dementia uh, really strong. It's one of the most important things, I think, about um, routine. Um, and, you know... If you look at something, I have a friend in um, Washington, D.C., 
her father is the head of Alzheimer's research up in Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. His name is Dukowski. Mm -hmm. And we did a play together one time, just a little one. Um, and this was before I did the Department of Justice movie on um, rogue headsets and simulation and how there might be criminals that can control people's heads, possibly if they're grids that are not being protected by the United States government, and that might be possibly what Alzheimer's is. And his daughter and I, you know, we're both good actors. We got cast in a little production that also got good reviews, but it's really little, but still good, called Stop Kiss. Uh, and we both, uh, in this production, we're both lesbians, but in real life, we, we're both heterosexual. Uh, but we kiss in the play, and it's these two heads coming together, and her father sitting in the audience, and he's the head of uh, Alzheimer's research in, um, in Pittsburgh. And then after I kiss this girl on stage, I, uh, I, I do an Alzheimer's play. I pick this one, the Waverly Gallery, and then I go on to work with the Alzheimer's population in New York. And I think it's real, and it's not, like, I think it's from another reality, and it's some kind of thinking, because it, it, I think it's something, um, and this justice lawyer did put me in a movie about headsets and rogue technology. So... I think it's real, and it might be something that's talking to us always in life, right? But we might not be able to see it if we're not given to certain technologies. And that might be why people end up with certain jobs in certain cities. And, you know, if that's what we are, if that's the kind of reality we're in, it's not the person's fault that there might be more advanced realities analyzing us or looking at us even though it's invisible. And... Uh, you know, try to trust him that a lot of people have lived in those and didn't know it. But, you know, if it is real, if it's not real, they might always be told to not think in those and it's paranoia. Or they might th be told if they're strong enough to read in the research and that there's a ton on biological terrorism and hackers. And there are different energy grids. And if you get high enough in understanding, the intelligence community has tons of research on these subject matters and, you know, I mean, the Great Wars had tons of chemical warfare and biological uh, technologies that could alter and mutate the human race, and these are old wars. I mean, we're living in a much more modern time now. So these things don't disappear. They still exist, and they're always dangerous people. And other realities not kept by the government is, is what I'd, I'd be left thinking. But there are also whole realities that are kept by government orders and also benevolent, I think, higher beings. I believe it's all real. And so if you're in one where it's not showing any of this to you, but you just sense it's real, maybe that is what Alzheimer's is. I saw that Bill Gates was talking about Alzheimer's the other day, and he had a picture of a brain on a computer. So... Even if he's advocating, you know, for group therapies and medicine, he's still saying something with an image. So I have a feeling there's a breaking apart of realities and some people that are older generations get lost and stolen and some get kept. And this might even be eternal. And who knows why? Again, it's the duality where some people are, are kept and some aren't, and I don't think it has to do with they're bad or they're good. I think it's uh, something to do with technology, 
It's the same with World War II. Why did they steal all those Jewish people? They weren't evil. I don't think they were evil. Why did that happen? It might be because something other in another uh, grid has a different technology. It might be because they uh, were trying to steal something with biological experiments or understand something about biological wars. And they don't really explain that too much in America because they tell them more about ethics and religion. Uh, I grew up in the Jewish temple. And that we're supposed to respect people. We're not supposed to spy on people or hurt people. And trust in higher heads to protect us like the government or intelligence or major world religions. And just trust in them. And so sometimes people that are really good and trusting, they might get stolen and there could be gajillions of reasons why. And they're not always evil. Okay? Uh, so if you're still in a reality where you can be of help to civilization and you still feel like, you know, uh, there's tons of programming that's acknowledging this no matter how it's communicating it, it's really great to volunteer um, with these sorts of groups. It's really great to read about the creative therapies on their websites or if you know somebody suffering, to tell them or their caretaker about, about these resources. So they can feel like they still are part of something and they still have an identity even if they're starting to feel like they're losing their memory and they're sort of fading away. Right? The Waverly Gallery, uh, which I picked to be or co-directed, I, I co-directed it in Washington, D.C. last decade. Uh, it's about an older Jewish woman who comes down with Alzheimer's disease and she's in the creative field. She works... Uh, in an art gallery, and she feels like the art, you know, talks to her. And her son is in social movements and in human rights. Uh, so, it's saying again, it's a, it's a certain feminine type, and it's talking to them a certain way, and they're a family that does not spy, does not use any criminal technologies, and really trusts in New York City, and uh, that New York City really loves their liberal creative types. And that she's really, you know, somebody who loves her art gallery and has been doing that for so many years. And her grandson loves writing about uh, the environment and human rights and things like this, I think, in the production. Um, so these are certain types of humans in certain trusting realities. And when they're told that she has Alzheimer's, they believe that's what it is. And uh, she does start losing a lot of her functioning and memory in the play. And uh, they keep up the art gallery for a while. And uh, she has a strong support network. She has a, 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 a generous family that she spends a lot of time with and they really love her. And that's part of her socialization. And she has the creative outlet. And they eat with her regularly. You know. And she also has the freedom of a little apartment that she saved her money for. Right? And it's a memory play. The grandson does a talkbacks to the audience about his memory of his grandmother and growing up. And a lot with social media, you look at it today, uh, it's, it's about 20 years old now, social media. People constantly are blogging memories, right? Bloggers are constantly blogging memories and keeping journals and diaries online of all different kinds of personalities and types. 
and it's saying something about AI. Okay, if the government has AI laws, Hollywood acknowledges there's AI. Um, and people are blocking memories all the time. This is communicating some kind of intelligence. And Alzheimer's being a huge memory disease in America. There's some kind of disconnect. And if there are different variations of the self and the multiverse, as Bernard Carr, the head of psychical research in London, has posited in, in much of his writings, then it's possible there are grids and more advanced technologies and less advancements, and that's part of the problem. And we need to spread that awareness. And... Um, I think that all social work needs to be upgraded with technology and a certain awareness. Um, but that doesn't mean that if they upgrade it to forget about identity and creativity. Right? Because then that's a, that's a certain feminine type that's being destroyed by the technology. And then certain civilizations can't thrive and they just become... Uh, these paranoid types that might always be spying and always only care about biology and that's not very healthy either there needs to be a balance right so if it's all medical and always uh, always the spy then it becomes uh, their sick in personality and soul but if it's all creativity and it's all um, psychology then it becomes very introspective and um, they need to be socialized so they stay in the group but uh, if they're you know up against something with a more advanced technology even though they might be the more benevolent one that is actually correct ethically they could get hurt if they don't have the technology so these are wars they might be eternal. They might be two different types of humans, even. These are eternal. And uh, it might be never-ending. Again, it's another one. Like we talked about the drug wars recently, and how to look at it beyond just addiction and, uh, you know, there's other other things going on about identity and energy grids and biological grids, right? That's another one. And with them, too, they do a lot with this. I did a socialization group with a bunch of, of, of substance abusers and, huh, almost uh, half a decade ago, I'd say. And we did a lot of creative work together, too. And they're an outsider also, just like the Alzheimer's and the kids also. A lot of kids are not working a job. They go to school to socialize, right, and learn, as does the Alzheimer's group as does the substance abuse group. A lot of them are outsiders that aren't in a job. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's talking to them differently, not allowing them to be a part of something that <clears throat> the people in between that are in a job, like the middle-aged group generally, or the people in their 20s and 30s even, and they're not generally part of socialization groups as much unless they're in something creative like the theater world. Right? Or they talk to lots of different people and they're social workers, something like that. So the average job isn't in that. They're in, you know, business, doing analytics in an office or something like this. And they're a lot on their own computer. And occasionally they'll have a board meeting. But it's not very creative. Or, you know, it's not, um, not very emotional. 
It's not very psychological at the time. A lot of it is very, you know, mechanical. So that's a pattern too with society. And it means something about sustainability, that it's keeping them in that thinking pattern after they went to school and before old age. And there's something more spiritual about the child and the, the older person and the businessman, right? So there, there are different kinds of realities talking to them for different kinds of reasons. And uh, that might be because the child and the elderly person are talking to something that's in the other, the afterlife, or a higher or lower spiritual being or technology, whereas the business person is trying to just stay in that reality. And that's, you know, they're not trying to think about that. But these can all be still in, you know, if somebody has a higher level technology and is not a nice person and they're not kept by the government no matter what phase in life they're in. So, you know, stay aware. Always keep reading. And um, if you know somebody with Alzheimer's, tell them to check out the Alzheimer's Association and for different groups in their region that seem to fit their character and type. And they can even go look at them. A lot of them are free. Some of them, some of them cost money, but a lot are free too. They have both, and you know, they're all kinds of people. So they might even make a few new friends. Okay, yeah. Thanks for tuning in tonight, and uh, I hope you all have a good evening. <laughs>